slowly because indeed a healthy reading of the text will inform the soul in and of itself. Hebrews 11.8 By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand, which is by the seashore, innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they had came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten, whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph, and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, and gave commandments concerning his bones. Father, we recognize upon reading the section 
that our minds are being directed by the Holy Spirit to the testimony of the patriarchs. And we pray that today as we begin this testimony of the patriarchal period, that we would be uniquely informed concerning a living and enduring faith that is to be indeed marked as characteristic of every one of us. Thank you for what we've enjoyed already in this day. Bless now thy people in study. We pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. The first three testimonies of living faith and godly endurance brought to us in this 11th chapter of Hebrews all come from the early chapters of Genesis. Abel's worship is recorded in Genesis chapter 4. Enoch's walk is recorded in Genesis chapter 5. Noah's work is recorded in Genesis chapter 6 to 9. And those examples illustrate the principle of faith, living and enduring faith, as was introduced back in chapter 10 and verse 38. Now, as we come to verse 8, we're building upon the foundational understanding of faith that pleases God by considering the testimony of the patriarchs, Abraham and Sarah, their son Isaac, their grandson Jacob, and their great-grandson Joseph are used in the next section of Hebrews 11 to demonstrate for us what it means to have embraced a living and enduring faith. Living faith means learning to wait on the Lord as these patriarchs waited. Patriarchs wait, and they waited. And indeed, we find in verse 13 that they died waiting. But as they died waiting, they died in faith. Their faith continued to live during the days of their earthly sojourn, continued to endure in the days of their earthly sojourn, right up until the day they died. And as a result of that, the Bible records of these individuals that they died in faith. This is where, in our study, we must decide whether we're going to stick to the point of the text and not get sidetracked uh, into sideline issues, uh, or if we're going to get caught up in the aspect of a bigger, broader uh, study of these individual lives. And I, of course, as we usually do, choose not to stick to the text. And when we stick to the text, we do miss some things. But we also understand God's point. And I would have you be cognizant of God's point in this section. And I would also uh, have you uh, uh, not be shy to study on your own uh, those other things that have value uh, as you consider the whole of the biblical testimony. But let me give you an example of, of what I mean here is to approach. Uh, you and I know a considerable amount about the life and the times of Isaac. Much of what can be said about Isaac is not particularly good and by no means a model to be imitated. I personally have said to my own family, I've said to a number of our senior saint men, 
that we should ask God to help us not be like Isaac. Isaac was always talking to his family about being an old man. Isaac was always using the old man as a trump card uh, to try to get his family uh, to do what he wanted them to do. Oh, I'm such an old man. I think I might die before the end of the day. I wish I could just eat a little more of that venison stew before the Lord takes me. <laughs> and uh, boys jump up and they say, oh, well, please, Dad. Listen, you got to be careful as an old man that you just don't die forever. <laughs> uh, you know, die when you die. And, uh, and if the Lord's given you a long life, well, thank God for it and keep on pressing forward. But this idea of uh, being like Isaac has its limitations. The only thing, the only thing in this chapter held up for us concerning Isaac is that Isaac blessed his two sons concerning things to come. Verse 20. In other words, Isaac approached death with the expectation that God would fulfill his promise in coming generations. May every saint die with such a testimony that God is faithful and that we come to rest at the end of our sojourn with a sense of expectation in the promises of the Lord. In that sense, Isaac is a good example of faith waiting. And of course, this is the point of the section 8 to 22. Uh, This is the part of the reason our faith instruction here uh, is to be drawn from the patriarchs as a whole rather than a consideration of their individual lives at this particular moment in time. The section that we've identified, 8 to 22, for study this week and next week, summarizes the scripture account found in Genesis 12 to 50. Think of this. Hebrews 11, 8 to 22, summarizes Genesis chapter 12 to 50. Here is God's commentary on the word of God, Genesis 12 to 50. We considered the unique communications of God uh, during this Old Testament period previously when we first began our study in the book of Hebrews because Hebrews opens with the idea of God's faithful communication by means of revelatory uh, uh, engagement and we are told that God spake in times past unto the Father. The reference there to fathers is, of course, the Jewish fathers or patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We focus our attention today on verses 8 to 16, noting 10 descriptive words associated with the faith of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. So we're taking the patriarchs as a whole and we're saying in the same way that we are pointed to Abel as to his worship and Enoch as to his walk as we're pointed to the aspect of those other earlier mentions of living and enduring faith from the book of Genesis 1 to 9 and really 1 through 11. Now we come to the summary of Genesis 12 to 50 
with an emphasis upon the waiting, the faithful waiting of the patriarchs. We're just going to cherry pick out of the verses today 10 key words that summarize the living and enduring faith of the patriarchs, particularly Abraham and Sarah, but in ways uh, relative to Isaac and Jacob and certainly in regards to Joseph. The first word from verse 8 is the word obeyed. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. Obeyed, in this particular instance, as is quite often true, especially in the New Testament, is made up of two Greek words, one meaning under, and the other one meaning to listen, to listen under, or to really listen, or to listen attentively. When Abraham was called to go by God and told that in going, he would receive an inheritance. He listened attentively. And his attentive listening caused him to engage the action of going out, not knowing his destination. If someone were to say, let's go, the logical question to ask is, where? Well, Abraham heard God and set forth immediately. God said, I want you to go. And I want you to go to the land of promise. And Abraham said, well, where is that? And God said, this way. And he went. Living faith listens to God's promises. And it listens to those promises attentively. Doesn't just note them in the collections of data in the mind. You are not a computer. You are a person. And your response to God should not be computer-like. You shouldn't just store up all the data of the Bible and doctrine in your head. It ought to have influence in your actions, in your attitudes, in the totality of life. Hence, the biblical word to obey doesn't just mean to do the right thing, but to do the right thing rightly. Abraham obeyed. In verse 9, I call your attention to the word dwelling. Actually, the word dwelling is found twice in the verse because, indeed, the word sojourn at the beginning of verse 9, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, dwelling and sojourn are the same word. And both those words mean to take up residence beside others. The word means to settle down among others. The promise of God was not of an instant variety. It remained a promise during an extended time in which Abraham, as a man, out of place, living as a foreigner, dwelt beside and among people in this world. He never really had an earthly sense of home. 
he is told, or we are told, that Abraham and his two sons of Er spent their lifetime living in a tent. Now, Sherry and I took our boys when they were younger, but old enough to still do a little work. We took them to the west and camped in the Black Hills and, uh, and went and spent some extended time watching the wildlife at Custard State Park out there in the west. It was an enjoyable vacation, but uh, I never will forget those two weeks we spent uh, in a tent. Uh, that was the first time in my life when I woke up on the first morning after sleeping in the tent and said to Sherry, we have got to get an air mattress. And we drove 80 miles to a Sears on the second day of our vacation so that we could buy an air mattress because I knew that I could not spend another night on that rocky ground in that tent. Tent living, even if you really, really, really dress it up, tent living is still tent living. Have you ever known a woman who said, oh, that I might live in a tent? Never! Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob spent their entire lifetime living in tents, depending upon resting in the fact that it would not always be that way. And in fact, we will soon read again that for those dear saints who waited eagerly upon the promises of God, that they indeed receive a city, a homeland, a city made with hands, not of human origin, but of God. That brings us to the third word, and the third word is looked. Now, when I, I look up the word looked for in verse 10, an interesting thing happens in my study, and that is I find the word wait. And in fact, the word looked and the word wait need to be brought together in the dynamic of this word because it has the idea of waiting or looking for something expectantly. Living faith, enduring faith, expects to receive according to God's promise. It looks for God's promise to be fulfilled when waiting. Yesterday, in the afternoon, Jerry and I determined that we could really use this or that at Sam's, and for the first time since I've lived here, I went to Sam's on Saturday afternoon. I'll never do that again as long as I live. But we went to Sam's on Saturday afternoon. I never said a word to Sherry. I never said a word to Sherry. I never said a word to Sherry. But she looked right at me, eyeball to eyeball, and she said, I hope you packed your patience. <laughs> well... 
then I had to. <laughs> so we waited in line, and we waited in line. We, I tell you, waiting in line is hard to do. Isn't it? Waiting at all is hard to do. Think about a lifetime of waiting upon the promises of God. That is the indication of the quality of faith in the patriarchs. Verse 11, we find the word received. It's particularly used in regards to Sarah, but it could be said of any of them. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child. By the way, if you haven't heard yet, Ezekiel was born last night. I'll tell you, the clients have got a prophetic thing going on. They got Elijah, they got Isaiah, and now they got Ezekiel. And he's already 8 pounds and 21 inches, so he's well on his way to being a full-grown man of a prophet. But nonetheless, rejoicing with the Klein family this morning. But Sarah was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged God faithful who had promised. Now think of that. Just think of that. Sarah only had... The word of God for the fact that she was going to have a baby in her old age. And yes, she had a baby in her old age because her faith was of a quality. Her faith was of a nature to have believed God that he was able and not only willing, but had planned to make her a mother after all those years. And so Sarah took strength, having judged God to be faithful and as a result, she bore a son in her old age. And then, of course, verse 12 tells the rest of the story. Therefore, sprang there, even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. The receiving of strength along the days of life, receiving strength commensurate to our task, receiving of the Lord that which is necessary to perform the will of God and the word of God day by day and with every passing moment until once again we meet the Lord according to promise. Verse 13 is absolutely loaded with words. We start with the word after all these died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. They saw things afar off. It means that they perceived the eternal reality of the things that were promised them. doesn't mean that they understood all about it. doesn't mean that they grasped every facet of it. But it does mean that they perceived the eternal significance of what indeed God had said to them. We could say it another way. They got it. They heard the word of God and they got it. Even though they died having not got it, they still had it. You with me? They never really got it, but they got it. Because they, they got it in the sense that their faith continued to hang tightly to the reality of God's promise 
even though that promise had not been in totality fulfilled for their benefit within their own lifetime. They perceived the promise fulfillment even though they never received the fulfillment of the promises. One of the blessed things to be said about God's people is that they treat things as real that are real, though unseen. They live with unseen realities in this world, seeing them because of their absolute confidence in the Word of God. What a beautiful thing to see like that. Also in verse 13, you have the word persuaded, having seen them afar off and were persuaded or assured of them. One of the meanings of the original word found here as persuaded means to tranquilize, to induce a condition of peace. Living faith induces peace in the midst of various circumstances that the promises of God cannot fall to the ground, that the promises of God will, in fact, be fulfilled. If you haven't, as a believer, said to your own soul, what God's word says is true, and I may rest my weary soul upon it, no matter what my experiences. If you haven't said that yes to your soul, you should. And if you're a believer, you will, because God will make you. God will make you, as a believer, come to a place where that you have nothing except his word on that subject. And that's when, like Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, you ought to exercise yourself in holy waiting, even if you die while doing so. We also find in verse 13 the word embraced, which means to welcome joyfully. They not only perceived God's promise and were at peace concerning their, that sense of the promise fulfilled, but they took your joy in those living promises from God. We sing that, standing on the promises of Christ my King. Living faith takes joy in God's promises. Living faith expresses itself regardless of earthly circumstances with prospects bright. It is so easy in this old world in light of the physical dilemmas of life, in light of the social dilemmas of life 
in light of the emotional dilemmas of life, in light of the sinful things in life, to have your prospects be dim, dark, dank. But as a believer, with the light of God's word always informing your life, regardless of whether the sun outside shines or not, your prospects indeed are bright. I'll never forget as a boy the first time that I flew through the clouds and saw for myself that the sun is always shining, even when you can't see it. And some of God's people right here in this place are experiencing cloudy days in life. And I'm not talking about wood TV and the weather. I'm talking about clouds in life. It's important for God's people to know how to embrace God's promises so that they can live in the prospects of God's bright and not the devil's night. Oh, may God help us as his people not to live in the days of night, but in the days of light as God has called us to do so. We also find in verse 13, the word confessed. Confess means to say the same thing as another. As we've often told you in the case of salvation, the person that we are agreeing with is God. Whosoever confesses with his mouth that Jesus Christ died for our sins, rose again the third day. Whoever says the same about that, as God himself has said about that, that person says the Bible is truly saved. If we say what God said, we are to be sure in the saying of it. To confess the promise of God to them, the patriarchs, was to align their full expectation in the thing that God had actually said. This is so important when it comes to the aspect of the ebb and flow of life. We delight to use God's word in ways that it was never intended to be used. Every day is happy. Every day is sunshine. Everything is great. Never had any kind of glitch or gloom or goofiness. Why, there's so many Christian songs along that, that line of thinking that it's just enough to make you want to vomit. That is not real to our experience. No, the truth is, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Bible says, God will deliver us from them all. We're people of promise. We're people of promise, and when we confess that promise and depend upon that promise, then we should rest in that promise. They confess that God said something particular to them about their homeland, and as a result of them, or a result of that rather, the particular thing that the patriarchs confessed, see it, they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now, just think about that. 
What did they confess? What did they agree with God with? They agreed with God that they were not home here. They agreed with God that they were not home here. They were not home here. They were not home here. So many of the Christians' problems in this modern age has to do with the fact that they are striving to secure their home life here. So many of the temptations, even for those that aren't doing that, is to lust after those that strive to make their home here. A believer, if every generation will be led by the Spirit of God to say the same thing that God says about these days of our earthly sojourn. What is it? This is not our home. We are strangers. We are pilgrims. Word number nine from verse 14. Declare. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Declare. Interesting word. From the Greek word, we get the English word emphasis. The life emphasis of people who confess that they are pilgrims and foreigners is that they are seeking a homeland as promised by God. Living faith seeks a personal sense of belonging out of this world. I should not expect to belong here. I do expect to always belong there. What a blessed thing to think about. And then number 10, in verse 16, you have the word desire. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. The word desire is connected to the declaration of life emphasis, namely, living faith longs for heavenly homeland as promised by God. And when the soul is fixed in a believer's life upon his homeland, when he seeks those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God, then that believer brings a smile to the face of God. That believer Uh, evokes in the Almighty a sense of pleasure. The patriarchs brought, brought pleasure to the Almighty. It says God was not ashamed to be called their God because they got the homeland thing right. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God or the God of people with such faith and has made ready their city, the city of God, the homeland of the faithful. It's interesting that the two terms that are introduced here during the patriarchal period, namely pilgrims and strangers, the word stranger specifically refers to a foreign guest. A foreign guest. And the word pilgrim to a temporary residence, resident without a license. 
stranger, a foreign guest, pilgrim, a temporary resident without a license. We might say without papers or paperwork. Both terms underscore the truth that the person is again not at home. These terms directly apply to our days on earth as we wait on the Lord according to promise. It's been often quoted, but I don't get tired of quoting Vance Havner, who said this, We are not citizens of this world trying to get to heaven, but citizens of heaven trying to get through this world. This past week, I read Psalm 119, 54, and it says this, Thy statues have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. When you're living as a stranger on the earth, it is good that the word of God, the statutes of the Lord, would be your songs. It is by the word of God that all righteous expectations are set. It is by the word of God that promise is secured. It is by the word of God we live in such a way to please our maker. May our faith in the word of future bright in Christ steady us in faithful living in the week which is now ahead. Father, thank you this morning for the listening.